Well, hello. Welcome back to the One Link Podcast. I'm Brad. I'm joined, as always, with James. How are you doing this afternoon, James? I am good. How about yourself? Good. Good. We're back in action here after a little break, a little summer break, and back yeah. and better than ever, I hope. That's right. That's right. You've, you've uh, made a little whirlwind trip around the world since our people last heard from us. Yes. Been a lot, a lot of mileage since then, but uh, good, good times. And now ready to get into kind of the fall mobilization season here yeah excellent we're we're excited about it yeah we've uh so our season you know it starts off again this time of year we've sent all of our students to the other side of the world and back we sent them all and we got them all home so that's always a good a good start and now we're we're rolling back around for for the next go round uh so we're kind of shifting things up with the podcast a little bit right yes uh i think we've Got an interview on tap, a couple interviews on tap. So why don't you tell everybody about this episode? Yeah. So uh, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to have an interview with a couple of our uh, volunteers. The, the husband's been a student. So it's Mike and Annie. We're doing we're doing kind of, we're going to start, we're making seasons. You don't know this yet, but we're having seasons. Uh, so this is season three. You just finished season two. You just didn't know it. So for this season, season three, uh, we're going to have some interviews. Uh, we're going to start with some O-Week stories, trying to capture some of what goes on there. I know trying to describe O-Week to people who have never been to O-Week is very difficult. And I know that because I spent a lot of my time trying to do that. So some of these stories are, are what we're trying to capture out of that, uh, kind of more for our, our partnership work, in part uh, helping us grow the number of, of teams that we send a year, number of campuses. Uh, campus ministries and churches that partner with us. And so we're going to capture some stories. And partly it's just good to be reminded of what God is doing. Hopefully it reminds you some of what God did in your life when you went overseas or when you went through one link, or if you didn't go through with us, uh, maybe maybe make you wish you did, but it'll revive some of your, some of your heart for missions. So we're going to do some of those interviews. And then we're going to do a series on mission mobilization. Is interest in missions, is it growing in America? Is it shrinking in America? What's that like? You and I are going to chat about a couple of them, and then we're going to do some interviews with some other quote-unquote industry leaders, some other other organizations that are involved in the same thing. Uh, should have some great interviews there. And then uh, we, last year, last season, we did a, a series on working with Muslims. And so this season, we'd like to do a series on working with Hindus, uh, so that, all that is coming down the pipeline. So stay tuned. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited about it too. I don't know if anyone else enjoys the interviews, but I always love them. I, maybe it's because yeah. I get to ask the questions I want, um, but I always right. enjoy them. And some of them, and, and that's like the one today with Micah and Annie, I listened to it multiple times, multiple times. And part of that is because I edit them. And so on this one specifically, I had some audio issues. And so you'll hear sometimes when I... If my audio was too bad, I just re-recorded it. And if it was enough that you could hear it, but wasn't great, I left it. So anyway, I had to listen to them multiple times. And that was just a lot of good stuff. I was I was glad to, glad to listen to it multiple times. Um, so we'll jump in with them right now. All right, let's do it. So best story, tell me when, when you first went to O-Week as a student, what do you think God did there? Or what, what things like still impact your life today mm-hmm. out of there? I went in 2010, my first year to O-Week, after having heard vaguely about it for my entire life growing up 
at New Mexico State. And to my dad's credit, he kept it pretty secret from me, which that was the days when it was supposed to be secret. I was a team member on my team. We had a officer, security officer it was called at that time, Jerome Bennett. Officer Bennett, who was an OU grad. Well, I didn't know that. I just thought he was this intimidating big guy with sunglasses and an automatic rifle and that he had it out for me. <laughs> but on Tuesday of O-Week, I remember being pinned back behind the wreck shed with my two team leaders facing me and Officer Bennett facilitating them pleading with me to get something through my head, like to stop playing games or to take this seriously or something like that. Bringing, they were in tears, pleading with me to... I don't even remember what exactly they were pleading with me to do, but I remember suddenly something snapped for me and I, I, I was broken and I, my posture changed and I realized how stubborn and arrogant I had been. Not just that week, but my whole life. And so the remainder of that week, first time a week attender, Micah was a a much more broken, uh, meek Micah compared with the first two days of O Week. And I, that was my big lesson. I was so grateful to Jerome, who came out of character at the end of the week and went as far as to write each of us letters and then drive with us all the way to Wichita and see us off at the airport for our 4.30 a.m. flight. So that was an investment on the part of a volunteer. <laughs> and I that was my big takeaway was, man, God needed to teach me that I was arrogant and that that is a plague to the people that I'm trying to serve alongside and be in community with. And I wish I could say that that's when it all cleared up and I was fixed. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember again later that summer at a specific juncture where I said something stupid to my team leader, condescending, and he kind of snapped at me, snapped back at me. And I that woke me up again, and I realized, oh, no, I've started being arrogant again. I think this is more of a pattern in my life than I thought. But really, I mean, that whole year I felt like it was God reinforcing the Humility, meekness, don't be a know-it-all lesson. And I don't know where I would be today if it wasn't for that week. What was it about that week that made made everything click? I mean, outside of the pure working of God, uh, why did it click that week? What was it about O week that made that resonate with you and made that stick in your life? I'm sure part of the reason why that week was the breaking point, the breakthrough point for me was because of the, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a retreat. You can see things that you don't see when you retreat away from your normal 
rhythms, but it was like a really intense retreat. And there was a lot of persistence. I mean, you're talking 16, 17 hour days of just trying to get that Englehart kid to get it through his head, his deficiencies, recognize his deficiencies. So a lot of credit to the Focustanis and especially the security team and Dick and Nancy Jaquies were my tribe leaders for working together to get me to that point. Actually, interesting backstory to that is just three, four weeks prior to that, I'd gone to lunch with my dad, walked down to a place not far from the BSU, and as we were walking back, he told me, he kind of breached the subject of the fact that I was the director's son who was on a team being led by one of my peers. He's a year older than me, but that he said, you know, I talked to your team leader, I talked to Taylor, and I just tried to reassure him that he's the leader for a reason and he doesn't need to be intimidated about my son being on the team. And just wanted to reassure him. And, and then he flipped gears on me and said, because, you know, you're kind of a know-it-all, Micah. <laughs> my dad told me that. And I was so offended. I was like, I know what know-it-alls are like, and I'm not a know-it-all. <laughs> I really didn't receive that. But after a week, I remember thinking, whoa. Like, it, it wasn't for lack of people trying to tell me that. Something about the something about a week. I'm sure God was working it all out perfectly, weaving together a tapestry. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the intentionality, the focus values, the community, just being in the same boat as everybody else there that week. I started out the week thinking I had a target on my back because I was David's son. And in that moment of breaking, I realized I had a target on my back because I was messed up, not because I was David's son. <laughs> Found that out over and over again the next four years in a week. So you went through a week three times, four times? Four times as a student or as a, I was a staff my last time through, but leading the team. Yeah. What was a week like? This? How was, how were, how were, Secondary, third area, always different, having like, now you've seen behind the curtain, now you're processing through it, how did that, or now you're going through it, but you kind of know what's coming. Yeah. Well, I think I knew how to respond to the scenario the second, third, fourth times through. So I was more teachable. I think I was more ready to learn. But I was dismayed to find out in my second year, whenever I had a real crisis of integrity, that there was another character deficit hiding away beneath my vision that probably wasn't any character deficit to anybody else. Or, or like they knew, they saw it. They were just waiting for me to see it. And, and in the following year, there was another one. And I think what I realized was, wow... God is really patient and gracious because he could have brought all of my deficits to the light all at once at O-Week in 2010, and I would have drowned in my incompetence and sin. But he was just, and O-Week set the tone for the following 12 months consistently. 
for me on wh- how what God was working on in my life over the course of the following year. So it was like year one, arrogance. Year two, deceit. Year three was brokenness or just what do you do with brokenness and incompetence. And then my when I came back as a staff member a few years later, I think it was uh, a desire to please man, especially authority figures, and being confronted with not being able to do that, and it wrecking me. So every, I just got to the point where I've realized whenever I'm working on something, God's working on something, I know he's got something else down the line that he's going to reveal but I can also trust him that he's going to bring, like he's going to work on things in a timing that is best for me and is good. What do you do with brokenness? Like when he reveals that to you and you can share as little or as much as you like, but like, what did that look like? Uh, what did God do with that? You know, how did you, how did you process that? For one thing, I think he just taught me how to rely on him whenever I found myself just to be such a failure. It was my first year leading. My third year through O-Week was my first year leading. I actually didn't do so bad at O-Week, um, except that I was got the beginning phases of failure and how to deal with that as a leader. And then during the summer, it was just like, it felt like a train wreck. It was the summer I was on the same team with Annie's sister. And so she can attest to that we had a lot of conflict on our team and I was probably the cause of a lot of it, but I was supposed to be the leader. And so we had to have conflict resolution talks all the time and always forgiving each other. And it, was, it just felt that way. And I, I felt like I set out with lofty expectations for myself and just felt like I let myself down time and time again that summer and got to the end of summer and was just so broken and disappointed in myself. And I felt like God picked me up from that. And that's when I ran across and memorized Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And that was just freedom to me. Yeah. And do you feel like he healed? Did he heal your broken heart? Did he make you okay with being brokenhearted? Or? I think so. I, I remember that after that point, just worshiping feeling free, singing the song, the worship song at that time that's popular. I'm free to run, free to dance. I'm free to live for you. And, and then also looking back on the summer and recognizing that even though our team was broken and there was failures that I set the pace in, our friends saw Christ in us and said as much at the end of the summer I was so taken aback at our, my friend who I'd known for two summers already at that point so I went back in a gospel conversation kind of letting me down a little bit and saying you know I just don't think I'm ready to to believe but one thing I can say is that your little family really does love each other and I was like what <laughs> We've been fighting all and mad <laughs> angsty all summer. So it was a great reminder that, one, um, it's about God and what he's doing, not what we're doing. But two, that how Christians deal with failure says a lot. 
in terms of what reality is and what is the reality that we we believe and that's a big feature of the gospel okay uh so two-part question what what about your man pleasing uh you know trying to be able to do this or thinking you should be able to uh, but then not. And then what was it like coming back as a staff member? Um, I mean, I can imagine myself, like if you threw me in there and it's like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm supposed to be the guy that can do this now. Uh, and then struggling. Uh, what was that like? How did you deal with I think I was disappointed in myself again. I think I felt like I had, and that's probably part of the lesson is I felt like I had um, one the praise and approval and commendation of my leaders, like my tribe leaders and different people more the previous time that I had gone through as a 20-year-old. And that coming back three years later as a staff member, two years later, I can't remember, I thought, all right, now this will be the we'll pick up where we left off here and just felt like nobody really was impressed with me. And on top of that, I felt it, I suddenly found myself being more frustrated than ever by the no-win situations where I felt like this is my fourth time. I should know how to navigate this and I should be able to lead these guys in how to navigate this and feel so unjust. And I finally realized it's because I am, the reason I'm so twisted in a knot about this is because I am so bent towards winning the approval of authority figures over me. And I think I saw some of that even in my relationship to my boss in, camp in the campus ministry and and had seen that in other times in the year, in the years of being on staff. And so I don't know that that necessarily, again, was like when I tied up all the loose ends on that problem, but it revealed it to me. And that's, again, that's probably the big thing that a week did each of those four years. Like a spotlight to something. Yeah. God could work on that in the open now. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, people go through those kinds of situations. God is faithful to shed spotlights, and as long as they don't have a distorted justification, mm -hmm. which we all can tend to do, then it really can be the beginning point. It matters where you take it from there. But I think that's one of the strengths I think that is the strength of a week. More than the stress inoculation training, more than the cultural simulation, more than the focus values, the strength in a week is the same thing that makes up for the strength of, or can, that the strength of one link is, consists of its partnership that a week partners with an ongoing process of discipleship and development that's happening in the school year leading up to it. And then we'll continue when that student gets to the field with their trusted partners on the field. And then we'll continue again when they get back to their campus with trusted campus ministers, collegiate pastors, pastors that are going to not let their foot off the gas and that's what happened for me. Okay, now uh, switching gears. What about when you came back as a volunteer? Uh, you can tell whatever stories you want, but what was it like being a volunteer at O-Week? Uh, how did that affect your life? How did that affect the lives of the students? 
What keeps you guys keep coming back? Um, I think, yeah, I had just heard a lot of stories and I kind of knew that if I had gone through as a student, it would have been really rough. <laughs> but so I think going in as a volunteer, I just kind of felt phony because <laughs> I was like, I have not been through this. And I know that if I did, I would be a wreck. Like, I would have a lot of things that God would bring up. And then I was trying to, like, lead these students through it. And, you know, so it was it was a little bit weird and then um, in that way. But I think, like, I also just, I think, yeah, I was pregnant and I was very sick. And I, I struggled, I've struggled with, like, fear of man for a while, especially authority figures. And so I think I just had that this mix of like, I feel like I don't really know what I'm supposed to be helping you with even, but I'm in this like helpful role or that's supposed to be helpful role of a coach, but I'm also sick. And so I just went back to the second Corinthians 12, nine says, but he said to me, um, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I think that's kind of where God had me land is like, you know, I'm going to use you even, even when you're at your weakest because I want people to see me, not you. And I think that's kind of how that week went for me is I was so stressed and worried about what people would think of me and if I would even be helpful and if I would be able to like hit the mark of a of a volunteer <laughs> I don't know um my perceived mark of a volunteer but um I just felt like God was like step aside <laughs> like <laughs> I'm gonna use you but I I'm gonna be the one to do it and I really felt like that was that was what happened I can empathize with so many of those feelings <laughs> um <laughs> What about, uh, can you think of a story, like a more specific story of like where you saw God working and yeah. the student through you or? Yeah, I think I, I was having a hard time remembering there's like, I don't remember a lot of the details of this story from the first time I went, but there was one of the girl leaders, um, who was really, really struggling on Muslim day with her like worth and value. And it kind of came to a head when they were asked to get on their hands and knees and, like, clear all of these leaves and, like, pollen off of the path so that the guys could walk on it. And she just broke down and started just, like, weeping and crying. I remember, like, I, like, called her aside and I was just, like, talking to her and, like, what's going on? And she, like, couldn't even talk because she was so upset. And I just remember feeling... Like I needed to, to assure her of her value in God's eyes. And so I started trying to do that. And I don't remember like what I said, but I remember her face changing from just kind of like sorrow and despair to like, okay, there's some hope here because even though this feels very degrading and I don't want to do it and it makes me feel this negative feeling like I can still trust that what God says about me is true. And I just, I feel like that was a turning point for her of like, okay, like I need to be confident in God's assessment of me and of my value and of my worth and like move forward 
even in difficult situations with that confidence and from that place of security. And so I feel like that was helpful for her. What about for you? What was it like coming back as a volunteer? You've been through the meat grinder a couple times. <laughs> now you were the meat grinder. <laughs> Poor meat grinder. <laughs> had to grind me up. Um, Probably a few tough spots. <laughs> <laughs> Might have replaced the blades after that one. Probably. <laughs> I'm skinny. Don't put that on there. This is like this one again? How many? Is this meat not ground yet? Um, yeah, it was. I mean, I was so amazed at the. Uh, I was amazed at the intentionality that I got to see behind the curtain. I knew there was care and love behind the curtain. I didn't realize how much thoughtfulness and intentionality was behind the curtain until that first Saturday volunteer training, seeing everything that was in play and even the care and concern for the spiritual condition of the volunteers I was so grateful for and impressed by. I had Jim Presnell lifting us up in the word and we had I can't remember who was playing worship but it was just it was it was great and were you in did you did you start as a host coach yeah I was a coach in another tribe trying to learn boy I was I was really needing to learn and I remember thinking again that how much modeling makes a big difference for learning and feeling confident doing something because Kels was a coach for the yellow tribe and he knew what he was doing and all the rest of us coaches didn't know what we were doing for the most part. And so I remember just feeling like when I didn't know what to do, just thinking, okay, I'll just do what Kels modeled. And then whenever Brad kind of started mentioning to me at some point in between that a week and the following or two a weeks later, this host role. I remember thinking, oh man, that is just perfect. Yeah, that is like the missing piece here. Because again, I was thinking of modeling, like how much value there could be in modeling and that there is no modeling in a week, except by those who've already been perhaps. And so, But then also the my appreciation for a guy having just come off a long time of service on the field and wanting to inject into the simulation the people who are on the field. Like, well, that seems appropriate. <laughs> and But then when he asked me to do it, I was like, I, Brad, I'm not, I have not been that person. And it was even maybe a little bit of a sore spot because I've wanted to be that person and keep not getting to go to the field because God keeps saying, you're not ready. And so... Isn't it absolutely duplicitous for me to come in and try and portray somebody who lives, has lived on the field? And he's kind of like, nah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Brad, I'll do what you want me to do. But, and I should trust you that if you didn't think, if you thought I wasn't fit for this role, you wouldn't put me in it. But. But then, man, it was so cool at the end of last year, after my first time being a host, I felt like the one thing that I wanted to convey was 
Your host, you're there to serve your host and your host earnestly, desperately wants to see his people group exposed to the good news of Jesus in a way that they can respond and have life. And so I felt like if I was majoring on one thing above everything else that the hosts were asked to kind of represent, that was the one thing that I tried to with my team. And it was a trial and error kind of year because nobody even knew there was going to be hosts. And we showed up and they were like, you're what? (laughs) We don't have room for you. Um, But then one of the team leaders from my tribe got asked to be one of the three students who got up at the parent thing, I think, or something else and just shared what they got, took away from the week after it was all said and done. I remember the one thing that he said was, I just really was challenged to serve our hosts and to care about the people group the way they care about them. And I just thought, Oh, thank you, Lord, that, that, that this is happening at a week, that this lesson is happening through the, insights of the staff who wanted to bring this role in and giving room for it and that you prevented me from screwing that up by not actually having experience being that person that was very i just that that i think put to rest the questions that i had of whether i should have even been there or whether it was a total waste of a volunteer but uh, what did you think? Like, so this year we were hosts, and uh, we did a lot of squats, and we uh, had these awkward moments. And uh, what you, <laughs> at least it was awkward for me. Um, what did you, what did you see God do in the lives of your your students this year? So much, I felt like our. I feel like our tribe was a bit of a disaster coming in. And um, I think one of the big things I took from my first year was like, I think it was day two or day three, our like volunteers in our tribe were having a powwow. And it was all kind of just bad news. Like this guy did this, this girl's here. This is where this team is. And it was like so discouraging. And I remember just almost crying like because I was feeling so like, what? Are, they're not going to learn anything. Like what are, we can't do this in this amount of time. And I remember like after the meeting, the our polis that was in the lead polis walked me back to the dorms and was just like, you know, like we really pull out the worst of students right at the beginning. And that's what we get is like the worst of them. <laughs> and we see that right at the beginning. And then um, God really uses that, like uses the things that get shaken out at a week to really work on their hearts. And we don't always necessarily see the fruit of that, but being part of what gets shaken out is like really helpful and beneficial. And you'll be like, you'll be surprised by the things that God can do even in this short amount of time. And I felt like I needed to hear that. And it, cause it was true. Then later on in the week, it was like, like I was floored to see the growth in some of those students and where God brought them in such a, a small amount of time. But then I feel like I brought that perspective into this year. And so when, it seemed like everything was like, like, wow, how is this going to work? Like they need this whole list of things that they need help with. And I, I think there's specifically one guy leader who was just like really struggling with being a leader and making decisions. And he was just kind of all over the place. And 
timid and anyway I feel like at one point I just like I don't remember what question you asked but I'm just gonna keep telling this story <laughs> do you remember what question you asked <laughs> I, like, I like pulled him aside and I was telling him something totally different like make sure you get your team to get money at this point because you're gonna need it later or something and he was just kind of glazed and I was like what is going on <laughs> like um and it kind of just turned into a me telling him, like, God is the one that chose you to be the leader of this team. Like, no matter where you're at in your life, no matter what you think of yourself, God is the one that puts you in charge of this team. And that means he's going to use you to lead this team. So you can have confidence and you can move forward knowing that, like, God is on your side. And he just started crying. So I started crying. So I was like, what is happening? <laughs> and I just felt like that was a really cool, like, moment where, like, I feel like something that God had taught me about just continuing to, to trust God and ask for his help and provision when I didn't feel adequate. I feel like that was something that I was then able to like help this student kind of see is that like God is in the business of taking weak vessels and using them to glorify himself, not to like necessarily even make them stronger, but to, to make much of himself and that if that's all we do our whole lives is make much of God even if we feel like we're failing like that's great and anyway I felt like that was a cool moment with that guy and he was he turned a corner after that too with just being <laughs> assertive and making decisions <laughs> for his team you know I didn't obviously I I didn't know all the interactions, but I saw a lot of times where I would see you interacting with people, and I felt very much like like you, I was like watching you shepherd slash mother them. Um, <laughs> like a mom. <laughs> yeah. 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 There was. I feel like there were a lot of moments like that where it's like, "Come here, let me talk to you. <laughs> What's going on?" Yeah. What about you, Micah? What was this year like for you? I felt like I was reminded this year that the volunteers are a team as well and that none of a week works if the volunteers and the leaders and the staff don't walk in the one link values as well. And the way that I saw that was by being so blessed and impressed with the way that I felt like my co-volunteers did that. We had old hats and rookies and everything in between on our tribe of volunteers and we had a tribe leader who had never seen the host role before and was coming back into it we had a young polis leader, squad leader. We had one of the most uh, veteran Fokistani ambassadors or whatever, emissaries. We had rookies all over. It was just, and then me, I was kind of middle era. And I just felt like I witnessed everybody working together and constantly coming back to the focus values, ultimately coming back to the attitude of Christ and serving one another. And that made it a delight. And that made it 
uh, a joy to to even trudge through the hard things. So again, the the power is in the conviction more so than in the event of a week that a week is shaped by a dedication to Christ and his heart for the nations and the people of a week are shaped by a dedication to Christ and his heart for the nations. You know, your dad said something to me one time that stuck with me a lot. He said, a week is not what one link does. It's the culmination of what one link has done. You know, it is the focal point. It is the most visual thing we do. Um, but that's not, it's not just this one event and that's it. It's a culmination. Um, so let me ask you guys a question because I do this a lot. When you're talking to somebody who doesn't know what one link is, they've never experienced O week, how do you describe that to them? What is O week? What is one link? I'd love to know how you answer that question or how you describe that to people. You said me first. Oh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Clean up, mop up. Yeah. If I'm being honest, I think when I try to describe a week to people, I don't try very hard because I don't think it can be described remotely and actually capture the essence very well. <laughs> so I generally just, say that it's a it's a week long missions orientation for student teams that are coming from the same campus largely and that it's uh it's a 24 hour simulation of a made up foreign country to try and prepare them for the for the things that they'll face. But even trying to capture the the stories like we just shared, it just doesn't feel like you can quite even with our like even with your parents yeah. or the people that we trust and, and love and even trying to share those stories with somebody who hasn't seen it, it's hard because it seems like you're not really doing it justice or you're, you're making it sound way, way more special than it actually is or something, but it is unique. I think other people have tried. I've seen other organizations and groups essentially try to copy what O week is and they can create simulation and stuff like that, but there seems to be a missing ingredient. So I deflected your. Yeah. Definition you gave, question. You, you gave a true answer, but a cop out one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're sitting there, you meet this buddy, he's in campus ministry, you're connected to the conference. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what do you do for missions? And you say, we go through one link. And he says, why should I go through one link? You do have to tell him something. You tell him. For one link, with one link, I feel a little bit like I try a little bit harder. But I typically highlight that they're a, a student sending organization and they facil facilitate student sending and that they work that one link works 
in close relationship with the local ministries that the students are coming out of and that they partner with those ministries to in, to help those ministries send their own team of students and train them and bring them back. And I think that's, again, something that I have not seen anybody else do collegiate-wise. There's some youth missions agencies that try to help youth groups do that, and it's good. They don't send them for eight weeks at a time or completely student-led yeah. <laughs> or anything like that, but I haven't seen anybody else do what One Link has done to major on partnering stateside and partnering overseas. And, and that's, again, I think what makes One Link is the partnerships. And partnerships take a lot of investment and dedication and vision, perseverance, um, faith to invest in. And so I think that's why it's hard to get for anybody to replicate it. But essentially, One Link is, a, is an organization that tries to help stateside ministries send their students and tries to help trusted overseas partners receive reliable student teams that will actually contribute to the mission that they have and not be a detriment, but also not be a one and done. I know there are some one link partners that get one and done just because of supply and demand um, and that kind of thing. But there's a reason why you talk to anybody in the IMB and you bring up their one link and they say, oh, yeah, no, I, we know about them. <laughs> They're good. They're great. When I try to describe a week, <laughs> I think I, just, I usually say it's a week long, like, training program for students who want to go spend the summer overseas and then I think that's kind of my simple answer and then if it's someone that I was explaining it in more detail to I just kind of talk about how it's a simulation training and so they've kind of created another country and there's like there's role playing and so they have different categories of like like locals and like police and um some government officials and like different roles that people play to try to help the students practice what they're going to go through overseas in a safe environment where they can fail and then learn to, to kind of, especially with the police, like learn how to answer questions about security and learn how to eat food well <laughs> that they're offered. And so that's kind of, I think that's how I describe it. And then I don't think I've ever tried to describe one link to anybody so I don't know how I would describe it but off the top of my head I think just like a, a sending organization that, that um, helps equip students like really well trains students who want to spend the summer overseas and I don't think it would occur to me naturally to bring up the partnership thing until after this conversation <laughs> but I think now I would say <laughs> that they, they really emphasize partnership what about a, what about a funny one? Oh, a funny story. <laughs> a funny story. 
either as a student, possibly as a mom. My favorite funny story, and I'm sure I've had way many, way more than this, but you lose them after time. I've probably been the subject of other people's funny stories, I'm sure, was seeing a one-day volunteer come in on airport day who had clearly never been there before, but was just excited to be there with his friend who got given a little Turkish hat and a juice stand and was told to post up somewhere and probably essentially be a cultural immersion for people and try to maybe be make it a little bit difficult for them. And then a team of students came through that clearly had a an alum, somebody who had been through before that knew to engage him and try to treat him as a human being and ask, you know, as he was trying to sell them juice. And the guy was revealed to have not thought through his character very far <laughs> because the girl simply asked him, What's your name? And he was stumped. You could see he's uh and so what he landed on was I have no name. Yep, I was born without a name. <laughs> That's all he could muster in terms of the depth of his backstory. And I was watch observing as a coach and I had to turn away and leave so that I could fully laugh, allow my face to laugh. <laughs> I'm a terrible storyteller and I was trying to think of like a funny story but I think it was my brother like it's not about me but when my brother went he for the first time he was a national and um, he played a Focustani and I think this is right you can correct me if I'm wrong but he would listen intently <laughs> and like to the students and be really like interested in looking at them and then they would kind of finish the sentence and you just say like what I'm pretty sure that's in the Pakistani like, handbook like you would give every indication that he was like tracking and following <laughs> what <laughs> I got it I laughed really hard at that. <laughs> I can't think of any other ones. I'm sure there are. It's hard to think of. Those were some great stories. <laughs> um, any last freebies before I turn the recorder off? Last thing on your mind to get out? We sure love One Link. Yeah. We left a week this year having serious conversations about what level of priority we should give a week in our lives to make sure to be there and that it probably merits arranging our calendar around being able to be there. For our sake and the, the benefit to us that comes from participating in the output of volunteering, probably largely... I mean, certainly because we believe in sending students to the nations and believe that Jesus believes in sending students to the nations, probably largely because we find a great camaraderie and community and a fellow like-heartedness at O-Week that is life-giving. Yeah. 
and it's centering around Christ's call to the nations. And I think when you aren't actively in ministry, like we're not right now, I think it's easy to lose sight of like what God has asked us to do and not just going to the nations, but even in just ministering to people around us. And I just, I think both times I've come back from all week feeling like being reminded that I have a job to do and that it involves like being intentional and planning and like looking at the people in my life and saying, how is God going to use me to get them closer to him? And I think a week just does that really, really well. And it's just like a punch in the gut, like keep going and keep doing what God has asked us to do. Um, Because like growth, growth is going to happen if you press into those things. Well, that was an amazing interview. Mike and Annie are some of my favorite people. Yeah, just real great insights from them. Yeah, they they are absolutely delightful. And uh, we're so grateful that them and people like them are involved with us. Makes a huge difference. The quality of our volunteers makes a large difference in the quality of training that the students receive because we are so volunteer heavy. Like we're if you look at the total number of volunteers, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're at about a one-to-one ratio. We have one volunteer for every student that goes through our training. And so the quality of what you get there uh, determines a lot of the training. And as you heard from this interview, I mean, our quality is excellent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, as you said, we couldn't do it without, I think a lot of people, you know, they tout our great training model. And I, I obviously I, I believe in our training model, but I think at the end of the day, it's the people that we put around the students. That's That's been our secret sauce. So mm-hmm. these are the kind of people you want to put around students. So great interview. And uh, yeah, it's going to be hard to top that one, but I look forward mm-hmm. to the next one. Yeah, well, it will be. The next one coming up is going to be uh, a new stateside partner. Actually, the, the stateside partner, the campus has been involved with us for a while, but it's a new director. Uh, it was his first time at O-Week, and uh, he has some great things. Just shared some great things, I feel like, about sharing your faith with um, with cultural um, cultural Christians that aren't Christians, and some of his stories from overseas as well. So it'll be excellent. Sounds great. Hope y'all enjoyed this. Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, uh, it would help us if you would tell a friend. Uh, we, as we talked about, we're going to come up in this season about mobilizing, like his interest in missions growing or shrinking in America. So if you like missions, and I'll assume you do because you're listening to this podcast, share it with a friend if this is helpful to you. Absolutely. And one more thing, if you enjoyed this O-Week Stories and you have an O-Week Story that you think would be good to share, uh, reach out to me. We are in the process of collecting O-Week Stories. So whether that's from when you went through O-Week or whether that's you as a volunteer being an O-Week, reach out to me. You can get us at james at onelinkinternational.org. All right. We'll see you guys next time. See you next time.